need to worry about it. So uh, we're chatting today with John Heisel, uh, who is the Director of Annual Giving at Hamilton College. And um, uh, John has told me about the successful uh, leap year appeal that he's just concluded for the young alumni population at Hamilton. Uh, John, thanks for taking the time to chat. My pleasure, Bob. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, the inspiration for the Leap Year Appeal and a little bit about how uh, we rolled it into action. Well, there were really two inspirations. The first one came from a small group that we have that leads our volunteer effort for our annual fund. So the chairman of our annual fund and the chairman of, uh, trust, of the trustee committee on development were on a conference call with me, and we were talking about ways to stimulate participation. Our dollar numbers are in pretty good shape, but we really want to, uh, in the second half of the year, bolster participation. We also looked at February as being a very slow month for us uh, in terms of how we solicit and how we get gifts. And we began to discuss about how our fiscal year, June 30th, closes an artificial deadline. So we talked about why don't we create an earlier artificial deadline and leverage the fact that it was leap year. So we looked at uh, some of the parameters and uh, we stepped back from it. They asked me to think about it. And I recalled a presentation that you had given at a staff conference where you had put up a, a similar Dartmouth challenge where they, in the month of April, wanted to create a participation challenge. Uh, also a relatively slow period for them and how they had uh, a media blitz, mostly electronic, with some uh, complementing mailing. And I played off of uh, some of the components in that, came back and said, why don't we use 29 days, the 29 youngest classes, and an average of 29 gifts per day, which is 841 gifts, and it's a couple of three percentage points for us. And the trustee said, well, fine, then why don't I donate an uh, an additional $29,000 if you meet that goal, and that's equal to the uh, average scholarship aid package at Hamilton College. Wow, so uh, we really can't overstate enough how contrived the whole idea was. Uh, it seems like you just happened to have a leap year to pull out of your sleeve to use as a central marketing uh, push for this, and there wouldn't have been any precedent, would there have, for your young alumni population to have seen something like this before? No, there's nothing that happened in that short a period of time. And in fact, it was fun, but it was artificially created. It was, <laughs> and there were neat hooks, and it was uh, easy to understand. But no, this was unique. Yeah, and, and not that there's anything wrong with contrived goals. I think our friends at PBS have mastered that art form. You know, when, when I watch uh, during their drive and they say, we need five gifts by the top of the hour before Tony Bennett comes on, and I... You know, I have to chuckle that they, they get me sucked into really a, a deadline and a goal that they've kind of just created out of uh, thin air. But um, so the logic makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, tell me a little bit about what some of your observations were from your young alumni population. They're obviously, that seemed to resonate with people. Well, we took uh, the, the primary tool for marketing was electronic. Yeah. We only had one small piece. We have about 65% of the alumni in that group. Uh, with uh, good email addresses, and so we decided not to have it be a heavy paper thing. So we did a, uh, an initial message from the chair, chairman of the annual fund, and we complemented that with one mailing to that 35% for whom we don't have email addresses. And we had a cascade of e emails that went through the month. Uh, but how we, how we brought it uh, to market, if you will, and then the feedback we got from it was 
as we went along, we discovered that we could segment and resegment uh, how we communicated to alums. So we have a class structure, and we think of classes uh, as a primary way to, to communicate with our alums. But as we got talking to the volunteers, and, and I should back up one step, the very first message we sent out was to all of our volunteers. So we made them a week before the uh, challenge started. They understood all the mechanics of it. We sent them scripts for free agents who are calling, uh, for class agents who are calling, and the phonathon students who are calling were all complementing the uh, electronic communication. So we began to talk to some of the class agents and some of the people who manage them, and we began to segment into smaller groups. So the alumni council group in the same cohort, which is classes of 79 to 2007, they got a message. Uh, all the senior gift volunteers, and our senior gift started in uh, the mid-90s, all of them got a specific message as well. And then we have a young alumni group uh, in training in the senior class called HALT, Hamilton Alumni Leadership Training. <laughs> and that's been going on for six years, so they got a very specific message as well. And then the youngest alumni grouping the last uh, decade to graduate, we call them the Gold Group, all of a sudden those volunteers said, we want to have unique messages that we send out. So then we began to send class-specific messages. And then the very... Uh, the next to last message uh, came from class agents, so you had a classmate talking to classmates. And the fact that this was largely um, email-driven made all that segmentation not all that complicated, you know, as it might have been with different phonathon scripts or paper letters or whatever. So, not to oversimplify the process, but then there was a progression of emails that would have gone out over the course of the month, mm -hmm. um, you know, which goes a little bit against some of the conventional annual giving wisdom that I often hear that, you know, we don't want to oversaturate anybody or, or make too much of a nuisance of ourselves. But your data probably illustrated a bit that for some people getting multiple messages wound up being a motivator to get them to take action. Well, in the first place, they have to become aware of what you're doing. Uh, in the second place, they have to open it. Uh, I guess maybe opening it follows becoming aware of it. Uh, in some cases and precedes it because word of mouth went out but we get about 25% open rate on our emails so the fact that we sent out uh, a, a suite of emails didn't mean that everyone opened every message. Mm -hmm. We got some pushback from younger alums in particular that they were getting more messages than they wanted and uh, we'd pick up the phone and talk to them and, and explain to them how they could solve that <laughs> which we would be to make a gift. So uh, it was, I, I, I'm certain we didn't spend $1,000 out of pocket. It was a lot of time composing messages. Uh, a lot of thought went into having different voices depending on who the sender was. And then a lot of follow-up and uh, fulfillment after people made gifts. And that was one of, one of the most fun parts. And very much like Dartmouth, it built momentum over time. Yeah. It started slowly. First week, you began to get a sense into the second week that perhaps the goal wouldn't be obtainable in the background, though we didn't talk about it publicly, we thought about what would we do if we didn't meet the goal, what's the contingency plan, do you extend the time period, but we kept on task, and all of a sudden with repetition, the message became clearer to people, and uh, we got, a, we, our target was 841 gifts, we got 1,066, and we had 300 gifts come in in the last two days. 
uh, and I had mentioned to you previously, one thing that we don't understand, and we have to do more analysis of the data to understand it, but we had uh, some 140 uh, never donors make a gift. And somehow it connected with them in a way that our traditional mailing, traditional student phonathoning, uh, and classmate to classmate calling uh, hadn't been unable to do. Somehow the sense of urgency of tying it into uh, the, a specific scholarship amount for one student uh, and, and to be discovered reason uh, resonated with them. All of which must leave you thinking, boy, I, there must be some way we could continue to use this kind of a thing going forward. Uh, does this become a regular part of your toolbox? Well, Leap Year only allows you to do it once every four years. <laughs> oh, bad luck. <laughs> but the sense that uh, we can create a sense of urgency and, and uh, be successful in, in communicating like this does allow us to begin to look at other opportunities. One thing that we're using it as is also a stewardship tool. Because we named a Leap Year Scholar, uh, and conveniently he's a pole vaulter, so the metaphor worked all the way through, Leap Year and pole vaulting. <laughs> And the trustee who uh, was making the additional donation uh, met with him. We have a photo of him on an, uh, an enhanced email. He has a Leap Year Scholar website describing his activities at Hamilton College. And he's a great young man. And we had promised that if we met the challenge, every donor would be introduced to this fellow. And so, so now we're uh, not only have we already sent this piece to everybody who made a gift, but we're uh, now doing a global electronic communication to all alumni who've given, saying this is a tangible representation of your gift as well. It impacts students. And we're sending it to people who have not yet to make their gift with a brief introduction from our uh, chairman of the annual fund saying, if you did make a gift, this is where your money goes to support great young students at Hamilton College. Now, I'm open to your suggestions and, and, and others as to what the next generation of this is. Yeah. But it was effective, and I'd love to, to have variations on this as we go forward. Um, you know, what I admire about this kind of thing is that it was something that we really weren't equipped to do before the Internet came along and email uh, came along. So assuming that more people every day are going to get inspired to try this kind of thing, any advice you've had with one experience under your belt? Well, a uh, couple of things come to mind. We have a, a, a mass email tool that allows us to, to customize mass communication. And you have a personal greeting, which we think gave a very strong sense that there was a, uh, this was an email to you or an email to me rather than dear fellow alum. Uh, so that, uh, we thought, was very constructive because it created this a more intimate sense of communication, even though it was thousands of emails going out. And then the back end, I think we're going to refine that as well because we, be we found people viewed it as an email from the, the chairman to them, and they started a dialogue, and so we had to manage that process as well, which is really what you want to do is sure. engage them. So, But we hadn't anticipated that, and that took a fair amount of time. Uh, and we passed it off. Uh, we had a message that effectively said, uh, George Baker, uh, the chairman of the uh, annual fund, uh, has passed this message along to me, John Heisel, and I'm responding for him. Thanks for getting back to him and so on. Uh, that's created some really interesting dialogues. Uh, we had uh, a very smooth system electronically to go online and immediately make your gift. 
So if you don't have a really tight tie-in to uh, make a gift site that's electronic, then you have to create that to have that in place. And then what we're trying to do is all the emails have a unique uh, numeric identifier for the alum, and we're trying to figure out how we can, if they click on the Make a Gift site, have it pre-populated so that all their information is there because we had a number of people who clicked to the website to make a gift but for whatever reason didn't make a gift and so we're going to try to make it easier for them. We have that functionality now but someone has to sign on with a username and ID to have it pre-populate. So the easier we can make it for them to respond, we're assuming the more likely it is that they'll, they'll make a gift. So don't be a victim of your own success, sort of, is the lesson there. I think you do learn that, that <laughs> there are ways to improve incrementally as you go along, and uh, I'm sure we can make the message tighter. Uh, it, it's an opportunity to communicate to a broad group, even if they don't give, so that your marketing and your case for giving is, is made very clear. In this particular case, it was all about students, all about scholarship. So even if they didn't make a gift, they heard what we wanted them to hear, assuming they opened the email. Now, I know that you have a webpage that celebrates the successful accomplishments of the Leap Year Challenge. Is that a site anybody can... That's a public site, it? yes. Um, and you don't know the address of that, do you? Uh, if uh, you go to the Hamilton.edu <laughs> alumni site and click on annual giving, there, there are links in the left-hand column, and one of them will be the Leap Year Challenge, <laughs> and another one will be the Leap Year Scholar. If, if you Google Hamilton and Leap Year, there can't be that many things no, that come up. That'll come up. That's right. <laughs> um, Hamilton College every year enjoys one of the strongest alumni participation rates of anywhere in the country, and John Heisel is part of the reason why. So, John, thanks for telling us about the Leap Year Challenge. My pleasure, Bob. Thanks for asking. <laughs>